You're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Well, folks, we are back on Discovering Truth. You may notice that my audio is a little different than usual, and that's because we have a few temporary situations being set up. I don't have my full studio rig right now, but uh, we are getting set up in Houston. So today I am very excited to introduce you to a gentleman that I have not had on the uh, podcast before. His name is Dave Bryan, and he is the senior pastor of the Church of Glad Tidings in Yuba City. Uh, incredible man of God. We met through a mutual friend, and I was just immediately impressed with Dave. And Dave is no stranger to the world, folks, that we spent a lot of time navigating here at Bride Ministries. Um, satanic ritual abuse, mind control, the need for deep deliverance. I'll, I'll tell you, if you are on the West Coast, uh, his church is tackling the problem. And as a matter of fact, he is uh, responsible for the deliverance of Anton LaVey's daughter. And if you haven't heard that story, I'm going to let him share a few points about it. It's, it's been out and moving around the Christian circles and spheres for a while. I, I knew about Dave long before he knew about me, uh, partially because of this testimony. His website is Church of Glad Tidings. Dot com. Dave, welcome to Discovering Truth. It's great to be with you, Dan. It's, it's just an honor to have you, Dave. You're such a fascinating person, um, and, and I, I love your heart. And my wife loves your heart. I mean, when she yes, met you, we were both just like, dang, this guy is amazing. We have to be friends. <laughs> and, and I would love you both to meet my wife. We'll have to plan to make that happen because you would really love her. I, I have zero doubt about that. It's, it's super exciting. You know, Dave, I, I just want to let you introduce yourself to our audience a little bit. Um, a lot of our folks probably don't know you yet, and they need to. So tell us a little bit about your history uh, before we get to some of the real meat of this. Oh, okay, I'll do that. Uh, my wife and I have been pastoring here in Yuba City, California. It's Northern California, about 45 minutes north of Sacramento. And uh, we came here 33 years ago, a little over, uh, to just help the church. It was struggling, and I made a commitment to be here for three months. God uh, really knit our hearts with the people, and we've been here ever since. But uh, Church Glad Tidings, our ministry motto is find a need and meet it, and find a hurt and heal it. And that helps us stay focused on what Jesus did. The Bible says he went about doing good and helping those that were oppressed. And for, for the first uh, uh, 10 or 12 years, uh, we just met practical needs. I was the chaplain of the, the uh, fire department. Uh, another leader was chaplain of the sheriff department, police department. We, we were just going into the juvenile halls, helping people who were hungry. And uh, the church really grew. God blessed it. And, uh, but as we continued to meet urgent needs, uh, it, it drew us into the dark shadows of what's happening in the underbelly of evil in California. And I grew up on a ranch. I, I still am a cowboy at heart, but um, I, I was totally unfamiliar with 
uh, satanic ritual abuse. I couldn't imagine it even happening. I could not imagine uh, anyone even uh, e even wanting to worship the devil, worship evil. It didn't make sense to me. And uh, I certainly didn't know people were organized and doing that all around. Well, we moved right into the, the uh, jaws of the lion, so to speak. And uh, we moved here where the Maidu Indians did human sacrifices on a butte that's a a really well-known high place in occult circles. I, I didn't know that. I can look right out our window and see it, but I just didn't realize that, that God had a plan that went way deeper than we suspected. So the long and short of it is, as we were uh, trying to bless people, help people, uh, a woman came into the church that was uh, badly broken uh, physically, emotionally. Um, it was very easy to tell that she had uh, uh, deep trauma in her life, but uh, we led her to the Lord after one of the meetings, and I just felt that I needed to, uh, you know, tell her if you need any practical help, uh, here's my cell phone number. Well, anyway, that eventuated in her calling back. It's quite a story. It's in a book called The Serpent and the Savior, so I won't take all that time right now, but uh, Cheryl uh, heard from God and said, we need to move this woman into our home. Well, we, we were raising three sons at the time, and they were little guys. And so we just put her in the bedroom across the hall from them, having really no idea who she was. We, we were just good people wanting to, you know, uh, to help anybody in any way we could. Oh, my goodness. Was that a wild time? So, uh, so we went from not knowing uh, I'm speaking for myself. I didn't know anything about deliverance except that it was in the Bible. In my heart, I thought anything in the Bible should be fair game for us. So we at least ought to have the courage to, you know, to try to do it. It's in the Bible, you know. And uh, but my wife, her grandfather was Evangelist A. A. Allen. So she grew up as a little girl watching him cast demons out of people. He had great authority and he did it publicly all the time with, with, you know, great effect. And so that was just the way a Christian life should be to my wife. So anyway, now we have um, uh, her, her birth name was Ray Ray LeVay living in our house across the hall from our three boys. And, uh, it, it took a while before she had the courage to tell us who she was. And, and it really touched our hearts when she did, because I was kind of scolding her. Uh, you're being dishonest with us. We don't know who you are. It, it had become obvious that she wasn't who she said she was. And she said, well, I'm afraid if I tell you who I am, you'll, you'll uh, kick me out of your family. And I've never really had a family broke, broke our hearts, you know, but anyway, we found out who she was. That put us at odds with the Church of Satan. We had some wild months leading up to uh, Halloween um, of 1997. And that's, uh, that's when Anton died. He died in, in a spiritual warfare conflict with uh, a group of serious-minded intercessors who were fasting and praying. And it was over Deborah Joy. He wanted her to be the bride of Satan. And uh, she, she wanted to be part of the Bride of Christ. So it, it honestly is an amazing story. And uh, again, uh, don't want to take time for it here, but you can get it in, uh, at Amazon. It's called The Serpent and the Savior. So that's how we got involved in, in that. But I was determined, Dan, as a pastor, 
uh, we built a reputation for helping the poor and needy, widows, orphans, uh, runaways. And I was determined not, not to abandon that, uh, even though I was told by deliverance, because you, you can't do both. You either have to do deliverance or you can be, you know, a uh, uh, well-rounded Christian and do a lot of things, but you can't do both. I just said, uh, I don't believe that. The Church of Antioch uh, were able to do both. They did both in Corinth. We're going we're gonna to check all of the above, right? We're going to help the poor, the widow, the orphan, the runaway, uh, and we're going to help people coming out of Satanism. I had no idea how much of it there was around here, but Luciferian Satanism is really deeply entrenched here. And, and, and generally, as you know, Dan, um, it, it's not just a group of people, but it's major leaders, uh, the, the people in the DA's office, people in the sheriff's department, doctors, you know, it's really deeply entrenched. So uh, we made some huge um, inroads. Uh, uh, DJ, that, that's um, Ray Ray changed her name to Deborah Joy Bryan. We call her DJ. Uh, she's been married for probably 14 or 15 years now. She's doing well, uh, loves Jesus, loves us. And it's a really great story uh, of the mercies of God. Re really, it's, it's just, that's what it's about. It's about a God who loves people and, and has uh, such compassion and such power that nothing that they've been through can keep them from his love. Yeah. And, and she's a poster girl for that. So I, I love her with all my heart, but anyway, so that's the background. Uh, so where so, to from here, Dan? Yeah. yeah I mean, and, and, and from there, I mean, you continue to reach out to the community. You continue to perform deliverance, to train up deliverance ministers. I mean, yeah. th this is happens every day around here. Yeah. Just culture. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have met along the way some very interesting people, some very interesting men of God. You've been to some very interesting places. So yeah. before we started recording, you started telling me a story uh, that begins kind of south of the border. And I want you to walk our audience through this story because it, it, it's while it connects to because you, everyone's going through the same thing right now. What's going to happen? I mean, and look, you know, we, we, a lot of people are familiar with the Q movement, right? There's been a yep. lot of people woken up by this, the QAnons. Yeah. The challenge has been, there's also been a lot of false hope because there have been things said, this is going to happen and this is going to happen. Right. And this is right. what's going to happen. And people have been discouraged because where, where's the evidence? However, there's a whole lot of evidence that Something big is still coming. Donald Trump has not, at least as of today, we're recording on the 18th, which is Monday, uh, 2021. Uh, he, he has not conceded the presidency. Uh, he's been impeached by the House a second time. There's an impending Senate trial. Wednesday, Joe Biden is set to be inaugurated. And everyone's still on the edge of their seat. Like the prophet said... Right. Donald Trump, twenty twenty, right? He's, he's going right. to be president. Like, so, so right. everyone's like, "What's gonna happen?" So, so you have a story, Dave. It's, a, it's an amazing story. I want, I want to hear it. Okay, so uh, as we moved into wild deliverance, I started looking for somebody that uh, that I could hobnob with. Well, there back then, 
they were few and far between. But I heard about a guy named David Hogan that cast out demons, raised the dead. And um, I aggressively pursued him, very aggressively. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I, I spied on him. I found out where he was driving. And anyway, uh, I finally was able to meet him. Well, we've become fast friends and he's a, he's a man of God. I love David Hogan. Um, but uh, as we became fast friends, uh, he invited me uh, to come down to his ranch in Raymondville he spends most of his time in Mexico, but, but uh, to uh, get away from the intensity of things, um, he goes to Raymondville, Texas, just across the border. And he said, come down and I'll teach you to fish like Jesus fished. <laughs> he says, just throw your net there and you'll catch many fish. He says, Holy Spirit leads me. I always catch more fish than all the other fishermen put together, which he did. But anyway, he said, come on down. We'll have fun. I'll teach you how to fish like Jesus fished. So I had uh, just been speaking at a church in Spokane, and I went from Spokane to Raymondville. Uh, he was coming in from Guatemala, uh, where he had been speaking. And uh, when we met at, at Raymondville, he said, before we start fishing and have fun, I need to tell you a story because something very strange happened to me. Now, something strange had happened to me in Spokane, but, but he introduced the topic. So anyway, uh, he said, I, I flew into Guatemala. Uh, when I got there, they asked if I had a U.S. citizenship. And uh, he said, yeah, I have also a Mexico citizenship. But yeah, he said, is it valid? Yeah. They said, okay, well, uh, there's a prophet who lives up in the mountains of Guatemala. Um, certainly doesn't know about American politics. He lives up, you know, in a very remote place, no TV, no electricity, but he's a man of God. And uh, he sent a message to us that the next time we had someone come in from America to speak at the church, if he had a U.S. citizenship, that, that, that this prophet had a word uh, from God for him and for America. So uh, David went up into the mountains to meet the guy. Uh, th this old man of God, he said, in the days ahead, uh, there will be tumult in your country, and it will seem like there is an overthrow of the government by the military. But he said, the message that you need to take to your country is that is not really what's happening. They are men of God who are desperately trying to save the country, and God is with them. It's a good thing. And so you need to let people know because it will seem like uh, a coup d'etat. My words, not his, but it will seem like a military takeover. But uh, but but tell people it, it's God. They're good men, and they're doing it to save the nation. So David came and uh, told me that, and he said, "What do you think of that?" And I said, "Well, since you brought it up, David, let me tell you what just happened to me." Now. We don't know. It could have been the, the same day that it happened. But I mean, the same weekend in Guatemala and in Spokane, Washington, we had these two amazingly synchronized events. Now, so he told just one more time. The year of these events was um, I'm I'm think I haven't looked at the calendar. I'm thinking it was maybe uh, 2014, end of 2014, maybe 2015. Uh, but it, it was a long time ago. Uh, 
Okay. So I, I should look that up, Dan. I probably somewhere my secretary has it when I flew to Raymondville. But but anyway, uh so he had just told me that story. I said, Well, I just came back from a church while I was there. Uh we tend to be kind of cutting edge and and uh not for the faint of heart, you know, we're out there getting it on. And so when I go to someone else's house, I, I try to be polite and think, how can I encourage them in the things that are meaningful to them? You know, obviously without compromise, but not everybody, like Paul said, you know, uh, you're not ready for steak. Uh, so have a glass of milk, right? But anyway, uh, and, and it's a good church and, and we love those people, but but I was wrestling with sharing a message that I, I wasn't sure how they would receive it. I've shared it at home and uh, it was b based on the, the prophets who upbraided the Israelites and said, you, you think you can do anything you want and God won't notice. You think because he, you have a covenant with him and the temple is his dwelling place. You think, that you can live any way you want. So, of course, there's lots and lots of Bible verses to support that. So, uh, so I'm on the front row struggling with this. And I said, gee, Cheryl, I, I had this, this nice, fluffy, warm, cozy, lovable message. Uh, and I really think I just need to shuck it down to the cob and preach this other message. And so, you know, she's, um, she, she's a wonderful person. She said, well, you know you, what you need to do. Just preach what God puts on your heart and don't worry about the implications. So I did. And it was a little intense for him. And I sat down afterwards and the pastor got up. He's a great guy, but he was kind of doing damage control and saying, well, you know, uh, we knew Dave was a little radical and, and, uh, uh, kind of intense and we'll just weigh these things. He was doing damage control. I've been a pastor for 40 years, you know, so I was in the front rows and oh, gee, thanks. And a guy came up and knelt beside me while he was talking, grabbed my elbow, said, do you recognize me? I said, no, should I? He said, well, I'm on TV all the time. I'm, I'm the, the um, point person to sort out uh, anything to do with terrorism. And I said, I'm a military guy, but that's what I do. And so I'm on the news a lot uh, when they're talking about uh, terrorists who are uh, making people testify uh, under duress. Oh, they're treating me nicely. You know, they're, they can barely stand up, but those kind of things. And uh, so he said, I'm, I'm in the news a lot. I said, OK, well, now this is happening during the church service. Right. And I said, OK, uh, so he said, I've, I've got to talk to you. And I said, well, I'm, here's a guest and we'll ask the pastor. He said, well, let me talk to the pastor. I've got to talk to you. So anyway, uh, he, he took me to lunch and told me the story I'm about to tell you. And then after he took me to a seven story facility in the heart of Spokane that uh, had been built uh, for a, a uh, workplace and a place of training for an anti-terrorism uh, task force. And uh, so, so I was there and saw it all, the place, rooms to waterboard where uh, there was dark glass where people around could watch what was happening. It was, it was amazing. Uh, and I say that just to bring credence to his story because he told me about that. So here's the story at lunch. He said, um, I was considered 
and still am considered uh, the foremost expert in the world on terrorism. And so uh, after 9-11, they, the president asked me to put together an anti-terrorism task force. And he said I had uh, all the money I needed. And um, he said I could choose up to 100 men to uh, pull out of the military. So he said, I, I chose the 100 best soldiers in America and maybe in the world. They're, they're top-notch guys. And uh, we began working on how we would do this and, and uh, built the building. And he said, it's the most secure building in the world that is above ground. And uh, again, I went and saw the building. It's amazing. And no one even knows what it's there for. They just assume it's a, a business complex. But anyway, uh, he said they were just ready to uh, host the first training with uh, top level military guys from all the disciplines, Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, along with uh, the Israel Defense Forces. And they were going to do their first training. Barack Obama uh, was elected president. And the first thing he did was to uh, to cancel them and to fire them all and to discontinue the program. So uh, this, this fella, uh, he said, I flew to Washington, D.C. to talk to the president. He said he was very rude. Um, and he said so much so that he threatened to arrest me. He said, quit whining. You're a soldier. Go back and tell him uh, that, that uh, they need to find other jobs because they couldn't go back to the military, right? They'd lost all of their retirement, all of that kind of stuff because they left the military. So anyway... Um, so the last thing he said is, Mr. President, um, I wouldn't want even one of these guys angry at me. And there's a hundred of them. Uh, are you sure you want to do that? And that's when the president said, that sounds like a threat. If you say it again, I'll have you arrested. Uh, Randy apologized and said, sorry, Mr. President, uh, I didn't mean it as a threat. He went home and told them. Now, uh, he said, so I want you to know that a hundred of the best soldiers in the world know that our country is being subverted uh, by evil people who want to destroy it and to fold it into uh, a new world order. And he said, that, uh, there are a bunch of great American soldiers that would die before they would let that happen. So he said, uh, when you spoke, my, my heart was just bubbling up and I, I, I felt I, I needed to talk to you. He said, I don't know exactly why, but I want you to know that we have a, a plan uh, to recruit someone who may be the only one in America that has the characteristics suitable to, to, to uh, recapture America through, through legal political means. He said it's a long shot because there's so much deep corruption, but we are talking to a man that, uh, that we hope will uh, will run for president and that we can do this in an honorable way that fits into the American political scheme. He said, however, if that does not work, uh, they are not going to let America be subverted by communist China and become a socialist nation. Um, and so th they're prepared to take military action to save our republic. And Back then, 2014, 2015, it was like, wow. 
I knew things were bad, but that's amazing. So uh, he said, I, I'm telling you so that you can pray about it. I, I don't really know why else I'm telling you, but I wanted you to know about it. So David had just told me what the old prophet said. I told him what this military expert said. And, uh, and we agreed we, we need to pray because there's some serious white water up ahead for America. Now, one other story, Dan. Uh, we do what we call Isaiah 61. Um, and it's a, it's a conference on spiritual warfare and deliverance, inner healing, that, that sort of thing. And we do it twice a year here and I do it uh, you know, other places on demand. So we had one of those planned. Uh, a fellow showed up. His first name was Paul. He was um, he was a, a high up executive in an oil company and was a very wealthy man. Uh, in his old age, in his retirement years, he came to Christ. And when he did, he said, it's, it's just like a little aperture opened and it got bigger and bigger. And suddenly I realized I've, I've been taken into another dimension and now I see you know, angels and demons and all kinds of spiritual phenomena. And he said, I, I don't really know how to handle it. And he said that landed me in mental health because I was telling people, you know, there's a red snake wrapped around your leg, right? Because <laughs> he could see it in the spirit realm. Well, you know how that goes over in public, right? <laughs> so anyway, he said, of course, I, um, he's a very smart man. So uh, they, they just, uh, uh, gave him some tests and sent him home. He said, I, I don't want to keep going to mental health. I don't know how to use this gift. And so um, he had come up, he'd heard about us and he'd come up to the Isaiah 61 summit. Uh, while, while there, um, I was watching him because as you do, I hear a lot of people say, I'm a seer. I hear things, whatever. Some of them actually do. Some of them not so much, but you know, I kind of am ripped. I, I, I've, uh, believe what Ronald Reagan used to say, trust, but verify. You know, if it's true, uh, it'll bear out. So anyway, I had watched him pretty carefully and gave him a few tests, uh, took him to places I knew were uh, demonic portals and, and without telling him. And he's, whoa, whoa, whoa. We, you know, he could see the demons hovering around it, coming in and out of it. So I thought this guy's the real deal. So uh, he called me the next week and he said, would you consider uh, coming up to my home uh, for three days and praying with me. And, uh, uh, and you know, uh, I'm busy and that's a commitment, but I felt like I, I should do this for this man. So I went up, we had a great time praying together. But one of the things that happened is he said, uh, he said, I've learned that evil spirits take on the form of their assignment. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, I've heard some of that, but explain. He said, well, uh, if the origin of the evil is from a certain country or group, that's how they look. And uh, he said, if they're, you can tell some things about the uh, distinctives of their assignment by, by their come across. I said, okay, well, give me an example. He said, well, that's why I invited you up here. And we, we're sitting here, he's a wealthy man. He has a big two-story high glass window that uh, the, the whole front of his house or actually the back of his house because it faces the ocean but it's a beautiful beautiful view and he says I sit here every morning have coffee and pray 
and read my Bible. And he said, a while back, uh, I started seeing evil spirits come out of the, the ocean, Pacific Ocean. And he says, I know they're evil spirits, but they look like Chinese businessmen. Whoa. And I said, really? He said, yeah. And it wasn't just one morning. It's morning after morning after morning. I see these evil spirits come out and go to their assignments. And he said, so I didn't know what to do. So I just thought, I know they're demons. I know they're up to something. I'm, I'm just going to pray against them. So he said he began to pray against whatever plan these, these uh, Chinese-looking demons were being assigned to. And he said, one morning I was there praying. They were coming out of the ocean, and I was uh, praying against them. And he said, a dragon came up out of the ocean that was so big, it terrified me. And he said, it just, it just raised up like this and looked at me. And, and he said, I just was frozen in fear. It was huge. And he said, I, I ran up. His, the bottom floor is uh, wider than the top floor. So uh, he has a study up there uh, that faces out. Uh, to the ocean, but he said, I, I ran up and hid behind my desk. Now I prayed, Jesus, help me, Jesus, help me. And he said, that big old dragon started sniffing and looked right at me and just started coming out of the ocean at me. And he said, I, I thought it was over. I was praying, Jesus, help me, please protect me. He said, that dragon stuck its head in into this front room and he said, just its head was so big that it was two stories. And I thought it was going to snuff me up into its nostril because they were so huge. Stuck his head right in and went, <laughs> and then he pulled his head out and looked around like he was confused. Like, I'm pretty sure I smelled an intercessor over here, <laughs> right? <laughs> but he said he pulled his head out and he looked both ways up and down the beach. And then he just walked back into the ocean and disappeared. And he said, I don't, I don't want to go to mental health. I don't know who to tell about that, but something huge is going on because it's morning after morning. Again, this has been a number of years ago. At the time, no one was talking about the, the, communist, uh, the Chinese Communist Party. They were talking about Russia and Iran, right? It was a, it's always been this, this Russia thing. Right, right. But but okay, go on. Me, yeah, which you know, a diversion tactic. The real issue was the Communist Party in China, but the diversion was Russia, Iran, you know, Libya, anybody, you know, ISIS. So, um, but so at the time, I said, "Well, well, Paul, um, thank you for sharing that. That is huge, and it's also very subversive because no one was really talking about." China even being a threat, but obviously hell has a plan against the United States, and, and it has to do with Chinese business. We know that. We also know it has to do with Chinese business invading America, because that's what you're seeing happen every morning. Well, now where we're at, all this is coming out that, that goes way back when people are sleeping with Chinese spies and, and paying off China and, and uh, uh, 
you know, our governor's family hosting Chinese for Thanksgiving dinner and on and on. It goes, this stuff is just coming out. But, um, but I do think it has to do with this big picture, Dan, of, um, of the, the um, corruption of America and attempt of hell, really, an attempt of hell to uh, destroy America and silence the voice of uh, American Christianity and of, of human freedoms. And uh, so now what do we have? Now we have this all coming to a head where it's obvious that China has been deeply, deeply involved in our country. Uh, what most Christians are horrified right now is how do you prove election fraud Everybody know about it. The people who make and control the machine saying, oh, yeah, definitely there was election fraud. And and no one's willing to touch it. Just like, yeah, yeah, it was a stolen election. So don't you hate it when that happens? But Biden's president. Right. So now we come to what happened on the 6th when the president, for the first time in my knowledge, the president uh, publicly recruited people come to the Capitol on the 6th as witnesses. And a, an enormous crew of patriots showed up there. And uh, so there's a lot to that, but he intentionally uh, drug out his speech so that the people that broke into the White House were not the people that came to hear him, right? That was all intentional. He let that play out. But at the end of it, he made a very uh, curious little speech. Mm-hmm. And what he said is, uh, thank you for being American patriots. Thank you for coming here today. I want you to know that we have done everything in our power to legally and constitutionally basically stand up for your rights and your freedom. It wasn't about me. It was about the American system. And he, he told him he appreciated him. And he said, We've done everything we can. Now it's time to go home. Then he ended it with a very curious little ending. He never conceded. He never mentioned Joe Biden. He mentioned moving on to a a new administration uh, because, uh, you know, frankly, just uh, as a, a, a parenthetical comment, because a lot of people in the current administration have egg on their face right now. Right. So. Vice President, uh, uh, case in point. So he says, we'll move on to a new administration. And I just want you to know, patriots, that our exciting adventure has just begun. Well, what an amazing thing to say. Mm -hmm. But I turned to Cheryl when I heard it, and I said, he just pulled the trigger on phase two of this thing. So whether that's the, uh, the activation of the Insurrection Act, which I think very possibly might be, or if it's something um, even bigger and bolder than that, which I guess it also could be. Uh, what I am convinced of is that there are not uh, 25,000 military people in D.C. to protect Joe Biden. I, that That is, is a ridiculous concept to me. There's something big going down. And uh, I don't know exactly what, but I think it's one of two things. I think it's the vision of the old prophet uh, that is being played out along with the uh, information that I had of, um, of 
elite military people that say enough is enough. We will not let politicians sell out this country. It belongs to the American people. Uh, and, and so maybe uh, Trump will come back um, as the 45th president, as he was a few months ago. And maybe it's even more significant. And we go back to a complete reset that uh, that takes us back to um, to citizens of a democratic republic instead of numbers that are a part of of, of an American um, uh not just the bureaucracy part of it, but that we have lost our identity as people and become a part of a corporation. That has huge implications, but uh, that, that may be what's happening. Uh, that has implications that address the Federal Reserve System, the IRS, so many other things that have frankly been very, very corrupt. And so he could come back as the 19th president of the the real country instead of the 45th president. But it's sure time for us to pray. There's a lot at stake. And one thing we know for sure, we, we, we I'm just telling you what happened to me. Uh, I, I know about that. It indeed happened to me. But, um, but we don't know all the ramifications. What we do know is that we should pray for the will of God in America. And if uh, hundreds of thousands of us will do that, it will all play out. I wanted you to know that though, so that you weren't misled thinking there's a military coup and we should pray against it. Uh, and that was the prophetic word that came to the old prophet in Guatemala for America. So there you have it, Dan. That is deep, Dave. Um, so folks, this, okay. So, I mean, I am trying to pull together all of the pieces, just like many of you, you know, there's a lot of information. There's a lot of disinformation. And we're all trying to sort it out and trying to figure right. out the cause. And, and, you know, in the midst of all of that, I think there's a massive split in the body of Christ because people don't even know where to put their prayers. Right. Exactly. People exactly. don't know where to put their prayers. And so you actually have whole groups of Christians contradicting the prayers of other groups of Christians. Being right. Christians. There's no agreement as to what the storyline is. Right. Exactly. And I, I want to get your opinion on this, Dave. You know, okay, so there's a lot of prophets. There are a lot of prophets that clearly <laughs> heard God. That's a fast question. Clearly heard God in 2020. Donald Trump will be president. Yeah. And then after November, one, two, four, eight, eight, all of a sudden, prophets are writing apology letters. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I'm also so sorry. I as well am so apologetic as, you know, okay, so explain this to me, Dave. Like, how are you processing some of this? Well, I, I believe that... Um, all of those men and women, uh, and, and that's probably optimistic, but let's say most of those men and women heard from God. Some of them may have heard from other people and parroted it, but a lot of them heard from God. And, and, but they weren't able to, to uh, stand strong in the day of evil. 
That's the big issue. And of course, as you know, that comes out of the spiritual warfare passage uh, where Paul was instructing the Ephesians. But uh, it's one thing from, to hear from God. And um, it's another thing for your faith after it is tested to produce faithfulness in you. And, you know, the English word has more in it than we notice, but it's faithful, uh, not a dose of faith. It's not a word of faith. Faith has entered into you and taken you over. That makes you faithful. Uh, that makes you a Joseph that hangs on to a dream for 17 years in prison. Mm. Makes you a David who remembers his anointing for 20 years as a national refugee. And all I would say, uh, Dan, is that these people, if I were able to talk to them, I'd say, I love you. I think that you, I, I, I'm thankful that you hear the voice of God. When you hear it, Hang on to it no matter what. Be an Abraham, be a Moses. Those guys, and in Hebrews 11, it says that they endured by seeing what was invisible to everybody else, right? Because it's in a different realm. And so, uh, of course, America has not been tried in these ways. We've had uh, a version of Christianity where there's hardly ever any price tag. The rest of the world, they understand uh, that faith issues and faithfulness. You grab hold of something and live or die, survive or perish. You do not let go. I don't think we do that well in America. And so people judge their prophecy by the contemporary flow of information. And when there's something that contradicts their pro prophecy, they apologize. And um, but but there are a lot of true prophets that are just saying, God talked to me and I'm sticking to it. Right. I don't know how to explain what's happening. I don't see Dan, as far as I know, only David and I knew about the story. I just told you, well, Cheryl knew a few people, but, but they didn't know what was going on for us. It confirmed. Oh, wow. Thank you. God. You, you told this long time ago and now we're seeing it play out. But most of them thought, ah, eh, uh, Donald Trump conceded. He said, I've done everything. I've tried everything. Time to go home. And so they based their apology on the assumption that they were wrong. Uh, and, and so I just think it's dangerous to make assumptions that fly in the face of what God told you. Yes. You should never uh, question in the dark what God revealed to you in the light just hang on to it and walk through the darkness. And so uh, I, I thank God for the prophets like, uh, you know, some, uh, you, you know, many of them, but uh, Rick Joyner said that the Patriots will win at the last second. Well, last second, uh, generally in scripture <laughs> is a setting where everybody thinks it's lost and hopeless, Right. So if you're judging by the observation of the eye, you apologize. I, I'm, I must have got my prophetic word wrong. But if you're, if you're a true prophet, Elijah says, go see if there's a cloud because a storm's coming. Guy comes back and says, no. Right? But, so, but we don't have a verse where Elijah turned to everybody and say, hey, I just want to deeply apologize. I, I thought a storm was coming. I must have missed it. 
<laughs> but mm. but true faith, he says, go back out and check again. You must have missed something. A storm is coming. He comes back and says, no, no clouds. He sends him back. He says, yeah, a storm is coming. God said it. So go back out and see what you see. He goes back out and says, well, there's one teeny little cloud about the size of a man's hand, right? It's all recorded for us in the Bible. And so uh, Elijah, instead of saying, one teeny little cloud, I'm not going with that. And instead, he says, told you, storm's coming. We need to get down off the mountain, right? That's true faith. Or Elisha, who knew what God had said. And when, when the army surrounded the city looking for him, he's having tea and crumpets, right? He's not a bit worried. And so he tells his servant, uh, there are more for us than against us. And then he says, Lord, op open his eyes to see not the natural things. Open his eyes to see the spiritual truth that always trumps the natural. And uh, so I, I think what we're finding out is the people, a lot of people hear from God. Uh, but it's not just faith, but it's faithfulness. Uh, so, so, yeah, you heard. Uh, but are you going to hang on to what you heard during the tumultuous times that test the word? Because almost all words of God, as you know, they're tested. Anyway, that's how I feel about it. Yeah. Love them all, but I thank God for the ones that are faithful no matter what. That, that's uh, so deep, so powerful. And, you know, I okay. I mean, there are so many types and shadows in Scripture about this. I mean, we could also talk about the Red Sea. And how God assembles Moses and all the, they have all of the gold of Egypt. I mean, they right. really their economy has never been better. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and then they get to the thing and then calamity strikes because there's nowhere to go. Right. COVID hits. And then the Egyptian army is on their tail. And, exactly. and nothing opens up until, you know, the last minute. God's like, well, stretch out your staff. And then he opens up the Red Sea and it closes on the Egyptian armies. And it's, it's like, oh, goodness. You know, th there are types and shadows like this all over scripture. Exactly. And, you know, here's what I, I and this is what I keep telling people. I, I don't know how the, the storyline plays out. I, I, I do not. It does. Right. I, I, I've believed personally this whole time that Donald Trump will be back in office again. And I'm not, I don't consider myself a prophet to the nation. So for me, it's just, yeah, I actually believe that. But, you know, one of the things that to me is clear is that Donald Trump is a very intelligent person. Now, right. the fake news media paints him as a, uh, you know, narcissistic tyrant that's very mean. Right. And, you know, wants to just scream at everybody. And you know, they, they have this caricature of him that they keep. Right. Presenting. It's like, right. And, yeah. and it's, it's just, it, it's not true. But uh, he's a very intelligent person. And the thing is, he hasn't conceded presidency for a exactly. reason. He has a good exactly. reason for that. We are two days away from January 20th, the inauguration after the recording when we're having this conversation. And he hasn't conceded. It, it's not, it, it, to me, it cannot be because he wants some uh, police or military to walk in, grab him by the right and the left arm and drag him out of the White House. Like to, to me, it seems like 
he has knowledge of something. And we're just kind of waiting and watching. And what you're saying, I mean, it lines up with other narratives. You know, I I heard someone just the other day, uh, and I haven't known where to put some of his information, but but it's a guest that shows up on InfoWars and Steve Pachenik, or I, I hope I said his name right. But, you know, he's saying a military coup yeah, yeah. in process yeah. right now. Yeah. And watch and see. And so I'm listening to him last week and I'm like, okay, we're going to watch and see. Yeah. But um, I know this thing. God is opening. And, and this is another thing I, I, I have to say about the season. I have not had as much peace since January started in a, that I have now in a long time. I mean, it is spiritual peace. Like I am just chilling out and I don't know how to explain it. People yeah. are aren't you worried. Aren't you panicked? I was like, I, I'm not. Uh, like more relaxed now than I've been in years. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think Dan, that that's been our case too. We, we are just having a great season, but I think what you're finding out is who's really tuned to the eternal kingdom, which cannot be shaken and, and who is not so much. And uh, again, if you're, if you're hitched to anything else, it can be shaken and everything that can be shaken will be shaken. But the beauty of that promise is the end of it. So that only that which cannot be shaken will remain. And so, uh, yeah, you can tell pretty easily uh, which pastors, leaders, um, and citizens are tuned to the eternal kingdom because they say, ah, I don't know all the details, but but I'm good with it. We've been praying. God loves us. Uh, his kingdom will never pass away. And uh, for us, it'll turn out good. So, well, hallelujah. Actually, the other thing that I find so interesting about this season, and, and, and you know, Dave, the Bible says, for you have come, past tense, right, uh-huh. to the heavenly Jerusalem. Exactly. You have come to Mount Zion. That, that's God's mountain. Right. The mountain of the Lord will be established at the tops of the mountains. Right. Too. Yeah. You have yeah. come to an innumerable company of angels. So, so I feel like in this season, the veil that divides the church from the government center of God, which is Zion and New Jerusalem, is being pulled back on a whole other level. It is, Dan. It is. You want to hear one more great story? Of course I do. Of course I do. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> well, when, when the governor said we couldn't meet anymore, we started meeting every night for prayer. And we, we had just a wonderful momentum, uh, momentum of prayer. And uh, one of our pastors had a dream where angels came and said, there's a great battle in California. It's being motivated by fear, and, and the battle has not yet been determined, but you're a praying church, and we've chosen this church as the, the, uh, the forward operating base for this battle, and he's a very godly man. He told me that. I thought, wow, what, a, what an honor, and again, we were praying every night, every night, every night, 
And so, um, so we shared it with the church, you know, and, and uh, hallelujah, let's partner with heaven. Uh, we know this pandemic and, and everything else that's happening in America, it's all being motivated by fear. And, um, and God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love and sound thinking. So, so we were praying specifically against fear. And, and uh, now one of our, we have 40 acres here and one of our buildings we call the well. And we, that's where we pray all the time. We, we do a few other things there, but that's the main hub for prayer. And so uh, we have a, a ministry, a drug rehab, uh, and they come and clean that our facility uh, once a week. Uh, and so, so one of the guys that have come through there and graduated now is on staff. Uh, he used to be a, a, a verifiable bad boy. Uh, he's a big old guy. Now he's just a teddy bear full, with, full of the love of God. And he's uh, part of the staff. So he was uh, looking into the well to see if everything was in order and it was done right, cleaned right, right? He was just checking up on the guy. He looks into the doors and the well is round and has doors. Uh, there are six different doors uh, around it. So um, he, he opens the front door and he thinks he's hallucinating. He sees this big fluffy curtain that goes from the very top of the, the well all the way to the bottom. And it's a pitched roof like this. And, and so we, we kind of built it as a uh, tabernacle of David type setting but it's really cool place but that's where we pray and so he looks in going all the way to the ceiling is this big fluffy white curtain and he looks at it he closed the door and he thinks man i've been clean and sober for for months and i'm i'm hallucinating so he gives himself a minute takes some deep breaths looks back in and it's still there closes the door and and uh you know, he's trying to figure out what is going on. So he walks around to the other side to look through those doors. And <laughs> I love this, Dan. And when he opens the door, there's this massive angel. And he's so big that he, he put his head down. That's why he couldn't see any head. He had his head down like this. And he's leaning on this big old battle club. He's leaning on the handle of it. And the head of it is between his feet. And when David looked in, this big old angel smiled at him and said, just resting. <laughs> is that amazing? And then he, he looked back down and David's now he's paralyzed. He's like, and he looked back down and then he turns back to him and said, I've been fighting against fear in this region. Is that amazing? Mm -hmm. And uh, so anyway, and then the uh, the vision ended, you know, uh, God had just opened his eyes to see what was in there. And then it ended, but it changed his life forever. He shared it with the church. He's crying. He said, I, I saw him and he talked to me, but I thought it was so cool that uh, God had sent to us in a dream. We've chosen this uh, as a forward operating base because you're praying. And pray against fear. Even showed uh, James this this image of this this uh, uh, terrible uh, demonic being that was destroying everything. That um, 
was the personification of fear in California. And, and then uh, he chose one of our one of our boys from the rehab to say, look what happens when you pray. God sends these kind of beings to deal with the problem. And so I, uh, you know, when you said that you thought the, the, the veil was opening, I just thought that's a great story that underscores that people are seeing angels of God. I think it will continue, Dan, until like uh, many uh, seasons in scripture, Old Testament and new, seeing angels was a very common thing. And sometimes whole crowds, good and evil, that they, they would see angels. And I think we're moving there, which is exciting. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think things are going to go off the charts, Dave. And uh, I, I'm, I'm expecting it. I'm yeah. expecting it. So, uh, you know, folks, I just want to say, be encouraged. I want you yeah. to say, be encouraged. You know, stay in prayer. But be encouraged. Uh, I, I, I highly recommend not buying into fear. Yes. In this season. Um, and uh, <laughs> st- standing on the word of God. I mean, right. just straightforwardly. Uh, right. Dave, you have really uh, shared some powerful things today. Well, thank you, Dan. It's good to have uh, been here to be able to talk to you. We'll do that more going forward. Oh, yeah. I mean, and folks, by the way, you know, I met Dave a few months ago, and I've been meaning to have him on the podcast for a little while, but it's just been, well, we've been relocating, and he's a very busy Just to get him today, he had to wake up after pulling off a massive conference this past weekend. We're very grateful for Dave's generosity. I mean, he's recording this at 8 a.m. What a hero. (laughs) Glad to do it. Glad I was looking forward to it, Dan. But uh, we are going to be talking more in the future. Uh, Folks, until next time, God bless and Godspeed. You've been listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. This podcast is a production of Bride Ministries International. Visit our website at BrideMinistriesInternational.com to enjoy the Bride Ministries Church, the Bride Ministries Institute, free resources, and to support us financially.